Hello and welcome back to Nomads, you and I. Mark Dunnigan, what a beautiful day on the Oregon coast today. Probably the warmest weather we've had so far. I think you're correct. So I noticed that, Mark, what we're going to start with here is what was from the beginning. That's the first words of First John chapter 1. So I thought, huh, well, maybe we should talk about the beginning of the hikes of our nomad quest, which happened to occur on July 23rd, 2020. And if you'll recall, we had kind of swung past through the Troll Haven. No idea what city that was in. Do you know, honey? It's, we're up in the Puget Sound. We are, we are, and we're heading out towards Port Angeles. True. That was closed, but we sort of wandered the grounds as best we could. Would you recommend the Troll Haven, Mark? I think it was an interesting stop. I tell you what, if you're looking for trolls, it's Booth Bay, Maine that has all oh. those trolls. Oh, for and sure. And I think they just put one basically in Beaverton, Oregon, a troll was just oh, set up. Oh, see. We're going to have to go track down the trolls. I thought there was maybe five in the Northwest. So these are trolls that are made out of discarded, recycled wood. Yeah, discarded pallets and things like that. And they are gigantic and don't disappoint. <laughs> I mean, you will be glad that you track these down. I'm trying to remember the artist. It would be online. And I mean, the ones in Booth Bay, the upside is I think there were four or five of them and they're all in the same garden right uh the ones in the northwest i think you do have to track down oh yeah they kind of give you some coordinates right right so there's a little bit of adventure involved so booth bay maine trolls you'll be able to see them there just a huge artistic thing to go and see so yes this troll haven in the northwest though was also very very eclectic and so then after that we're still on the way to that first hike we stopped by a really cool lavender farm remember that yeah had some great lavender had had a little store there had some flower gardens like wildflowers was that Squim, honey? Squim, Washington? Does that I ring a bell? I believe that was Squim, Washington. You can kind of cut your own lavender, so that was kind of fun. And they had all these different varieties, and mm-hmm. yes. Also, it's right there. You have a view mm. across the Strait of Juan de Fuca to well Canada. <laughs> so, we land then probably mid-afternoon maybe late afternoon, at the Dungeness National Wildlife Refuge. Where is this hike, Mark? It's just east of Port Angeles. Yeah. And it's on a a narrow strip of land. I remember coming into the parking lot, and good parking area, and not only that, but a lot of, like, old forest. Mm -hmm. So it was very wooded there. And then you kind of walk out to the beach. Yeah. And you're right there, uh, you know, facing... Canada yes. across from you and then I think it's you got a mile or so of beach there that would take you down to a lighthouse I do remember this a lot of driftwood mm-hmm. and a lot of artistic expressions yes. where people had built kind of little huts and they had built designs in the sand with rocks and shells and uh, and so you're basically on a narrow spit of sand ocean one side and a little bay on the other side, which it looks like you could kayak as well. But I am told that once you get to the lighthouse beyond that, that's what's the forbidden zone. Mm. That's actually a National Wildlife Refuge. Oh, You're I not see. allowed to go into that. 
Gotcha. All right, good to know. Are you ready to jump into a new book in the New Testament, First John? Absolutely. So what can you tell us, Mark, about, let's say, the when this was written and who wrote this epistle? Well, good questions. First of all, in the century following the first century, there's numerous people that are quoting from this book and mm. attributing it to the writer John. Okay, okay, so this is the same John that wrote the Gospel of John? Yes. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then towards the end of the New Testament, you'll find 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Now, besides the book of Hebrews, this is the only book in the New Testament that has no sort of mention of the author's name. Oh. And also, no introductory greeting at all in this book. Wasn't um, that the style of his epistle as well? It is. In fact, that would be one reason why people would say, well, obviously, this is John wrote this, because I believe it's John who only speaks of Jesus as being the only begotten Son of mm, God. If mm-hmm. you compare the first part of John with the first chapter of 1 John, Jesus is both called the Word in this section and there are just a lot of other sort of similarities between mm-hmm. both of the books. Mm-hmm. Most would say it's probably the later half of the first century okay. it is when it's written. And as far as the reason for it, it's pretty clear from the sort of thing John talks about is John is up against a number of false doctrines that are circulating. All right. In fact, he will say, I'm writing this in light of the people that are trying to lead you astray. Okay. End of chapter two. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of false ideas. One is that a number of the people at the time felt that matter's evil. Whatever's physical is evil. Mm. Spirit's totally good. Oh. Which means that they rejected the idea that Jesus could have come in the flesh. I see. And that's why John emphasizes so much that, hey, his body was real. Got it. Along with that comes this idea of superior knowledge. And so John's going to make repeatedly an emphasis on that every Christian can not only know God, but they can know the truth. Ah. That that's not reserved for some elite group of people. Beautiful. And then on a practical level, since these individuals felt that matter, like the physical body is totally evil, Some lapped into asceticism. Well, that means you just severely treat your body. Mm. But many others went the other way is that, well, that means it doesn't really matter what you do with your body. And so John is going to be the one who says, hey, your behavior says everything about who you are. Mm -hmm. You are what you do. That's for sure. Yeah. So good people do good things. Evil people do bad things. Yeah. And so as far as the application to our time. Okay. I do like what someone said, maybe since the 60s, we've lived in this period of time where people want Christians to speak the gospel without any conviction, where people distrust being certain Uh, and absolute about stuff. Right, right. And you got your truth and I got my truth. Against What does it mean to you? And here's what it means to me. So John is a very black and white book. Even though he's the the apostle that Jesus apostle loved. of love, <laughs> yes, it is John that talks about assurance, knowledge, confidence, boldness. Mm-hmm. I'll go ahead then and read verses one through ten. Not sure if we'll cover all that today, but we'll be set if we do. So, That's a good idea. All right. So, First John chapter one verse one says, "What was from the beginning? What we have heard, 
what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested, and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice. But if we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. All right, Mark. So the first phrase in verse one was, what was from the beginning? Any thoughts already? Well, remember the gospel of John, it says in the beginning was the word. And this verse is going to talk about that. The word became flesh in John 1 14. And yet here it's in verse two, it's the word manifested. And the word was with God Gospel of John 1 1 and in verse 2 which is with the Father and so we have a lot of beautiful parallels with just that first chapter of the Gospel of John and the word was is interesting here that is go back as far in time as you can think to the creation or even before and ask yourself well where was Jesus and the language that John uses is he was already there mm-hmm in fact yes John chapter 1 verses 1 through 5 says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was at the beginning with God all things came into being through him and apart from him not even one thing came into being that has come into being and him was life and the life was the light of mankind and the light shone shines in the darkness and the darkness did not grasp it. John chapter 1 verses 1 through 5. So it's clear that Jesus is eternal. Yes. And also that from that passage that he is the creator mm-hmm. and the creator of all things. The next phrase is what we have heard. That's very impressive. We have heard and seen. Someone says there, there's kind of a progression here. Oh, uh-huh. you know what we have heard, heard what we have seen. Yeah, but eyes. seen is more than hearing. I see. It's another level of experience. Yeah, what we have looked at and touched with our hands. I see what you mean. So John is really going to emphasize that I saw him, that is eyewitness, and not that I just heard him, but saw him, handled him, touched him, etc., that it was a real, personal, physical experience. Definitely. Those apostles lived alongside Jesus, and if you think about it, they heard the voice of the Father at the transfiguration and at the baptism of Jesus, and... That's where this glorious truth was revealed. Eternal life is in Jesus Christ. So they definitely heard, saw, looked at, and touched the Messiah. Uh, He's going to throw that word beheld. Okay. And that means to view attentively to 
contemplate, and it means a careful and deliberate vision hmm. to gaze at someone. Wow. And also, I'm told that it kind of has the idea to contemplate with pleasure, to find mm. delight and satisfaction in the object contemplated. Wow. Love that. So our hands handled is that tangible mm-hmm. and that, yes, Jesus was real and Jesus had a real body. In fact, it's kind of interesting there in the Gospel of Luke, J- Jesus will be the one that says, look at my hands and look yeah. at my feet and, and touch me. And he will say that the same thing to Thomas in John chapter 20. You know, Mark, having gone to Israel and touring Israel for about nine days, I'm still kind of reeling from <laughs> having been in the presence of so many things and that I saw with my eyes, that I touch with my hands, that, I mean, I heard. It's just going to stick with me the rest of my life. And I kind of sense that kind of feeling right here from John, that he's still just... You know, sometimes I remember thinking, I can't even believe I'm here right now, that this is happening, that how much more when you are in the physical presence of the Son of God. So I don't know. I'm just picking up. He has a lot of still of that residual glory that he's got living in his heart. And it's just had to have been an overwhelming experience to have witnessed what he did. So, Mark, what are your thoughts about concerning the word of life? Capital letters there, right? Word of life? Yeah. And it's clear that John's not talking about the gospel, even though he writes yes. the gospel. is He's talking about Jesus, something that his hands would handle. Yes. And so, a couple of thoughts here. Jesus is the only means whereby the Father chose to communicate with man. And that would be Hebrews chapter um, 1. In these last days, he's spoken to us through his son. Yes. So Jesus is the sole avenue of communication. But also, the Greek expression here is logos for Ah. the word word. It means rational, articulate utterance of thought. It's where we get the English words logic and logical from. And I would have to say that one argument is that Jesus is the only logical explanation for the universe. Wow. Or... It's in Jesus that we find really the rational, logical answers, the true answers to the questions of life. Amen to that. And then one final thought is that Jesus is the Word or the Word of God par excellence, Mm -hmm. the final Word, the final revelation to mankind. You know, Mark, every sensory experience that these apostles had, and really everyone else— was created for all creation to come to that same conclusion. There is a God. He is infinitely wise and holy and wants us to choose wisdom and holiness by following the teachings of just Christ so that we can all be together eternally. So that's my takeaway from concerning the word of life. Mm-hmm. All right. So verse two says, and the life was revealed. Yeah, or manifested to make visible, clear, or known. I think there that refers to when Jesus became flesh, or his entry into the world of men was a real entry. Mm -hmm. And we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was from the Father and was revealed to us. 
more eyewitness there, right? Yeah, nor do we. Would not just be John, but the you might say the whole collective body of the apostles okay. who were all eyewitnesses. Mm-hmm. And bearing witness and declaring is something even more than hearing, seeing, beholding, ah. and handling. Right. Verse 3 says, What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us. I like the idea that the historical entry of Jesus into the world was proclaimed. It wasn't monopolized. Mm. That is, it wasn't like given to the few, but rather it is shared with the many. It Mm -hmm. was to be dispensed to the world. And that really go against the idea that was circulating in John's time that Kind of the truths of Christianity were only for a certain elite, privileged few. But rather, John says, hey, yeah, we are the witnesses, but it was our job to share this with everybody. Mm -hmm. And then it says why. The reason why is so that you too may have fellowship with us, like a spiritual fellowship, right? Participation, a sharing that transcends space and time for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's a really important point. Back in, I think, the previous verse, it speaks of Jesus as eternal life, or he's an eternal existent one. Yes. And it talks about it with the Father, and that's the same as John 1.1. Mm-hmm. And the word was with God, towards or facing, and it's a intimate, eternal relationship. Beautiful. And so the purpose of John and the other apostles talking about Jesus and sharing this information and teaching the gospel. The goal is that everyone else would have fellowship or have a relationship with God, a fellowship that, of course, is broken by sin, Mm. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Is that the one that talks about your sins have separated you from God? Yeah, or or to the point that God won't hear your prayers. Uh, Yes. It says, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. I mean, that's mind-blowing, Mark, that we are invited to have that fellowship. Well, and I like the thought that there it's linked, it's inherently linked, that you can't like, well, I have fellowship with the Father, but I really don't believe in Jesus, or I believe mm-hmm. in Jesus, but I don't really believe in the Father. And it's much like John fourteen six, where Jesus would say, I'm the way, truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Those two individuals are inherently linked together. You cannot have a relationship with merely one of them. You can't say something like, well, I believe in God, but I really don't believe in Jesus. Mm. That's not going to work. So verse four is so wonderful. It says, these things we write so that our joy may be made complete. So when he says our mark, is he talking about both those witnesses and the people that are receiving this proclamation or yeah that seems to fit very well the joy of the writer and the joy of the recipients Mm. people look for that complete joy everywhere don't they that they're looking for joy in all of the wrong places and if you want complete joy it's going to be when you're having fellowship with the father and his son jesus christ yeah it's interesting that there's a number of times that john will say that phrase these things we write repeatedly throughout the letter he's going to tell them Now, here's why I'm writing this to you. Mm. And, of course, he will say the same thing in chapter 2 and a couple of times there. And I really appreciate that. Okay, well, why are you writing to us? Uh, We're writing to you so that you can have fellowship with the Father, and we're writing to you that 
you can have as a result of that fellowship and the forgiveness of your sins and all that comes with it, that you can have a authentic, real, full joy. Mm-hmm. But notice the word may. Okay. That would be free will on the part of those who read the letter. So God earnestly desires that we have a full and complete joy, but the final choice for arriving at such a goal is ours. Love it. Mark, I know we've only made it through four verses, but I think we would do best to say verses 5 through 10 for maybe another podcast. And as we wind this down, if it's all right, Mark, I'd love to get your thoughts about in what ways has your joy been made complete for having become a Christian? You've been a Christian for how long now? I've been a Christian for coming up on the September it will be 44 years on ah. the 18th. If you imagine what your life would have been like had you not embraced the truth that you learned in 1979, when you think about what you have today, how would you say that on a personal level? How has your joy been made complete in Jesus Christ? Ooh, is this an interview? It is an interview. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a surprise interview. A surprise interview. Wow. Okay. Some things that I think of would be that a lot of earthly joy, or I would say like secular joy or man's attempt to find joy in his own, are tied to things that are fleeting and temporary. Yeah. So one would be that my joy has not been hitched to a wagon that is temporary. So many people will hitch their joy to either being young or or having a bunch of money at the moment or some sort of physical pleasure. Mm -hmm. And so it would be a joy that cannot be touched by the ups and downs of life. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because if your joy is kind of tied to your youth, youth fades. If your joy is tied to some earthly thing, that earthly thing will kind of fade with time Yeah, or an earthly experience. It will become typical and usual. And so I think there's a great benefit of having a joy tied to something that circumstances and time can never touch. I love that. Yes. And I think a lot of my thoughts are somewhat similar. When I think about how my joy has been made complete in Jesus Christ over these last, I mean, I became a Christian when I was 14. (laughs) So it's been a while. But the difference in life that I believe that being a Christian has made for me really probably has a lot to do with relationships that I've had a higher quality of knowing how to love and be loved in this life, you know? Yeah, I guess along with that, when you're in the world, you may be trying to find your joy in things that part of you knows are not really true. Hmm. That's that's kind of a lie, but I'm just going to ignore that for now. Mm -hmm. But I think as a Christian, it's Okay, my joy in read it is rooted in actually what is real mm-hmm. in reality. Your relationships are more authentic, deeper relationships where truth is spoken and not superficial and not where you keep it light. Mm-hmm. And I think there's probably a number of applications with that thought, hey, What I believe and what I'm practicing may not be always easy, but it's real. It's real and it is freedom. (laughs) It is freedom itself because when I think about the things that I don't worry about that the world worries about, 
and ultimately probably even my mortality there's a great freedom from the fear of death because you know that you have everything to look forward to after this life one other thought is okay. i think if your joy is tied or your happiness is tied the fleeting things of life you live in desperation there's this frantic grabbing there's yeah. this frantic grabbing uh-huh. and a christian it's not frantic grabbing you can actually give away you can actually, I mean, we live in a society so much of all the self-care, mm. but you go like, you know, God's taking good care of me. And it's more, I've got time for other people because God fills me up. And when there's a loss, you can let go of that. If you know that you're under the mercy of God, there's a joy there that even when you experience a loss of some kind, there's a comfort there that... If God would have wanted it otherwise, it would have been otherwise. And so you're able, I believe, to kind of make peace more quickly after a loss, this loss or that, you know, that you're under the watch care of God. So mm-hmm. lots of joy. We could we could do a podcast every week on the joys of being a Christian. But I hope our little conversation today has been beneficial for our listeners and we just thank you so much for joining us for this conversation on first john chapter one verses one through four on nomads you and i god bless